You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Christ Jesus. May mercy, peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal change under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the last day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams defile the flesh, reject authority and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael contending with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses, did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people, these people blaspheme all that they do not understand and they are destroyed. They are destroyed by that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts. And they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up foam from their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all of to meet all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness so that they, that they have committed in such an ungodly way. And all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him, these are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud-mouthed boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, 
the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, you, beloved, building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy. Show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us as we come to this time together um, to hear what it has to say for us today. Let's pray. Our dearest Heavenly Father, uh, we do praise and thank you for this opportunity to gather together as brothers and sisters. Uh, I pray that these next few minutes uh, would be glorifying to, to you, that we would uh, represent your name well, that, we, that you would be pleased to use uh, my words to enlarge our hearts with a greater love and a greater faith for Jesus. Father, I pray that um, as I speak and as we have a screen in front of us, I pray that you would transcend that screen, uh, that every couch at home would in some way become a pew uh, and that we would feel a great, deep and profound sense of unity as the church that is City on a Hill, Surf Coast. Please draw us together and unite us. Uh, please give us conv conviction and compassion for the, for the lost and for what you've called us to. And would you be pleased to do that through the words of Jude, this book that we have before us today. We ask all of this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, church, it is um, so great to be with you today. Now, I'm really, really thankful to still be able to meet uh, together in this way on Zoom. Uh, look, it's not ideal. Uh, we're not in person, but this still does feel personal, personal. Uh, for me at least anyway. Uh, I love to be able to see your smiling faces on the screen. I love to be able to have some level of interaction. It's not, it's not the best, but it's still pretty good. Now this week, uh, we are in the book of Jude. Uh, we've just, as you will have, as you'll know, we've come off the back end of preaching through the whole book of Exodus, which has been an absolute blast. Thoroughly enjoyed that time and was really encouraged by the time I got to share last week as I heard some of your reflections. Uh, we are going ahead to a new series. Um, as you know, uh, we have uh, postponed the series left and right because uh, we can't be in the flesh and it could be a bit sketchy. <laughs> Instead, we're going to be going ahead to a to another series where we're going to effectively be able to follow Jesus around for a few weeks, which I'm really looking forward to. But in this moment this week, uh, we've got one week uh, to sort of really, every Sydney Hill church is kind of going to get, got, gets to do whatever they really want. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, maybe that's dangerous. Um, I think that's actually really beneficial for us as a church family. Uh, I've been thinking and praying a lot about what we should do this week. Uh, thinking and praying about uh, what is going to be a valuable use of this personalized time together as a church family. Uh, and it occurred to me that it's now been seven months uh, since uh, we met, met together in January. Uh, and we had a service where we preached through the Great Commission. And we considered what our church, what we considered what our call was for our church here on the Surf Coast and the direction that we wanted to take for 2021. Now, of course, uh, this last year has not been everything that we would have liked it to have been. Uh, but this today, what I would really like to do is just to revisit those three goals that we looked at uh, those, those seven months ago, uh, to take stock of, of how we're going, to actually celebrate the many things that God has been doing through our church and through you guys over these last seven months and to celebrate all that God is doing. But to also take time uh, to hear from this book uh, the book of Jude, this letter that was written by Jude, Jesus' half-brother, to hear what he has to say to a church in a time of uncertainty and uh, what could be a time of things where things are, can be really unhelpful. So there's really just one main point that I want to draw out of Jude today so that, it, well, that I hope will set us up for the months ahead as a church family. And then we're going to take some time reflecting and celebrating on the last seven months and how they've related to the goals that we've set as a church family. So I'd love you to keep your Bible open as we stay in the book of Jude for now. Uh, keep your Bible open. I don't know if you can hear those cars going past, but uh, look, it's just like you're here at <laughs> St. Wilfred's. Um, uh, keep your Bible open as we work through the book of Jude, uh, as I'm sure uh, that will be helpful for you to see where we're at. So we're in the book of Jude. Now, if you were to sum it up and to take away a, a big idea of what's going on in the book of, of Jude is you could say that the big idea is that God's grace shown through Jesus demands a whole of life response. If you're thinking about the book of Jude, you want to be thinking about that God's grace shown to us through Jesus, it demands a whole of life response. And that is that your life should in indicate your loyalty to Jesus. Your life should indicate your loyalty to Jesus. Now we can see here that this, uh, if you just hold, that, hold on to that as we work through this book. Uh, we're going to work through it pretty closely, staying pretty closely to this text. Uh, we see uh, the book of Jude open up in verse 1. Uh, it opens up, Jude, he says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Now, uh, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Uh, this is a pretty humble intro, uh, to say the least. Uh, Jude was actually Jesus's second brother or, you know, bro James of brother of James, second brother to Jesus. Um, and I love that Jude opens up. He doesn't want to puff himself up. He's like, look, I'm a servant of Jesus. I'm not going to take any cred here. I'm a servant of Jesus. I'm not his brother. It's just like I'm hiding behind actually my service of him. And we see here that who he's writing to, he says, to those who are called, to those who are called, beloved in God, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace and love be multiplied to you. And then he goes on to say what he's going to be writing about and also what he actually really wanted to first write about. <laughs> Verse three, he says, beloved, although I was 
very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. So effectively, Jude opens and he's like, guys, uh, I really wanted to write to you this letter just about how good our salvation is in Jesus. I just wanted to just send you something and be like, guys, how good is this? Jesus is on the throne. Our souls are safe and certain for eternity. We've got purpose and mission and drive in our life now. Like, that's so good. That's what I wanted to write to you about. But actually, I've caught wind of some stuff that's going on in your midst and I've actually had to change my letter. It's a short letter. It's a brief letter. But I really need to say some things Uh, for you to be doing. And that primarily thing that he wants them to be doing is he says it's from the front. He says, I write appealing to you, verse three, to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Now that word there, that phrase there, to contend, to contend for the faith, that is athletic imagery. Uh, If you go into the original Greek of that word, that is like fighting and wrestling for Something that is a striving in. It's not a, it's not a passive or laid back approach. It's actually actively pursuing and pressing into something. He is writing to this church. He's writing to all those who are called beloved in God. Contend, fight for, wrestle for, take hold of the faith. So there's something pretty serious going on. Jude needs to write this letter to these people, to the church, to the saints, to encourage them. Now, before we get into uh, what it is that he really wants to press into, then the reason why he's writing, why they need to be contending in this moment, I think it's helpful just for a second to talk about what is the faith? What is the faith? Uh, It would be a tragedy for me to preach through this whole sermon and to talk about a church Sydney Hill Surf Coast that also wants to contend for the, the faith. But if we don't know what the faith is, uh, it's, we've wasted our time. So notice here, it's the faith. Jude, Jude, or Judah, Jude is saying to contend for the faith. He's not talking about contend for your faith or, or, or my truth or your truth or a subjective sense of whatever it is that you hold on to, but the faith. What Jude is talking about here in the faith, he's talking about the historic fundamental identity of those committed to Jesus, a faith, the faith that was handed down by the early church. The faith, what Jude is encouraging his readers to contend and fight for is faith in, belief in, trusting in Christ's life, death, and resurrection, which is what able to make them be reconciled once again to God so that they could be friends with God. That is the faith. It's a faith in, it's a belief in, it's a trust in Christ's physical return for a day of judgment upon this world. The faith is an active, it's not a passive, but it's an active, engaged and empowered Holy Spirit-led lifestyle that seeks to obey God and follow in the leadership of Jesus. That is the faith. The faith is a life 
where all of our efforts, they're not to earn God's love. All of our efforts are not to earn God's love. The faith, contending for the faith, is a a life of response to the amazing love that He has already showed us. And it's a living out the mission He has freed us up for. Romans 5 speaks about this faith. It says that, We have been justified by faith. Our faith is what gives us peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, because of our faith, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That's Romans 5, 1 to 2. Paul, in that same letter to the Romans, he says, righteousness is by faith. He says, we are justified by faith apart from the law. It's not our faith, it's the faith. That if there's anything you're going to put your faith in, only by putting your faith in Jesus doesn't make it the faith. Faith in Jesus means peace with God. That is amazing. Peace with God. It means, it means entering into a, a, a place of friendship and not being God's foe. If you have faith and trust and belief in the person and work of Jesus, you are God's friend and not his foe. Faith in Jesus, holding fast to the faith, means that you have access into the grace of God. We've talked about grace, haven't we? It's mercy and more. It's not only having peace with God, but it's a journey now with God to something better. The faith is access into the grace of God and faith in Jesus also means that because of the promises and character of God, the faith brings us into the family, which gives us an eternal purpose and a destiny of perfection. And that is why Jude is calling this church to contend for the faith, the faith. Strive for this faith. I want you to hear more about the faith. I want you to think about the faith, your faith, and keep pressing into the person and work of Jesus. Now, just so you know that this is just not an isolated idea that we find in the Bible, this isolated idea of the faith. I just want to shoot a couple of other verses from other authors to you as to what, what, it, what we're thinking about when it means when we think about the faith, okay? 1 Corinthians 16, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all you do be done in love, stand firm in the faith. We read in 2 Corinthians, church, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Colossians 1, 21 to 23. This brings into the beautiful nature of what the faith is and does, okay? And you, (laughs) you were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, okay? We were far off from God doing evil stuff. But he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you 
holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. Okay, one's enemies. Now Jesus does something to bring us before God, holy and blameless. Holy moly, this is incredible. 23, He does this. If indeed you continue, continue in what? Continue in the faith. (laughs) Stable and steadfast in the faith, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. And then lastly, we read in 1 Timothy about the faith. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. And here's what you've got to do. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold, take hold, take hold of, contend for the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Jude writes to this church. He writes to these beloved believers kept in Christ Jesus. He writes to them, contend for the faith, fight for the faith, wrestle for the faith. Okay. But why? Why? You've got saboteurs on board. Church, you've been infiltrated. People have snuck in. Verse 4, certain people have crept in unnoticed. Who exactly? Well, they're people that you definitely, you definitely don't want to have around you. People who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people, Jude describes them by. They're people who pervert or who change or corrupt or misdirect the grace of our God into sensuality and who deny our, ma- our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So Jude knows that this, 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 these people that he writes to, they have this gospel, this good news that leads to eternal life. It's good news because they are saved by grace through faith Okay, good news of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, which we access into God's presence by faith in Jesus. And now Jude sees, Jude hears that there's people that have crept into the church, dangerous, perverted people, ungodly people. And they are perverting the grace of God into sensuality and to, to cause and to, to cause people to deny Jesus, the author and perfecter of their faith. Now we see Jude sees these people, Jude sees these people that they're marked by, by a life of passivity towards God and his people. They're people that, 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 that they're only after personal gratification. They're only there, they're only with God's people for what they can get out of God and God's people. And Jude's pretty clear as to what he has to say about them. He says, woe to them. They're terrible people. There's nothing good awaiting these people. I'm fed up with them. They're corrupt teachers. Jesus, for these corrupt teachers, he's not a way of life. He's a, he's a, way of, he's a reason for passivity and personal gratification. These people that have infiltrated the church, these people that look pretty much the same as everyone around them, they actually are betraying Jesus and belittling the faith by belittling Jesus' teaching and belittling Jesus' authority. 
And Jude comes in, Jude writes this letter and he says, I need to warn you about these people because these people, they're bad. They're bad. Their way of life is bad. How bad? Well, he gives us, he gives us a couple of, uh, he gives us a couple of um, examples of what's coming to these people. And actually that really, it shouldn't be a surprise that they're in the church. Because actually, throughout all of history, the history of the church, the history of God's people, these people have been around. He uses a few examples, and just to use a few, in verse 5, he says, Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, um, afterwards destroyed those people who did not believe. (laughs) So you could have been one of the people saved out of the land of Egypt, swept along with all the people of Israel, but yet Jesus still destroyed them because they didn't believe in light of the rescue. Or Jesus even, or Jude even talks about the the angels. So he talks about the angels, that actually there's judgment coming to these people that infiltrate the church. Verse six, the angels who did not stay in their own positions of authority but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. So how bad are these people? Well, Jesus imprisoned angels who rebelled. He's going to imprison these guys as well. Their way of life is not good. There's people in the church that are not good. There's people that are distracting God's people from contending for the faith and from, it, from being able to fully live out the faith. They are people who rely on their dreams. They're people who defile the flesh. They are people who reject authority. They are people who blaspheme the glorious ones. These people are terrible. Grumblers, complainers, gossips, discontent, they're critical, they're quarrelling, they're blaming. They're fault-finding, they follow their own sinful desires, they are loud-mouthed boasters, and they show favouritism to gain advantage. Jude's just telling it how it is. In light of these people, beloved children of the Lord Jesus Christ, because these people are around you, contend for the faith. Because you're in a, because you're in a context and in a culture where the f- human flesh is going to take over and, 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 and push in, you need to contend for the faith. Fight for the faith. And we always knew it would be coming. Jude makes that clear. Verse, eight, verse 17, he says, You must remember the predictions of the apostles. They said to you that there will be these people. There will be scoffers. There will be people following their own ungodly passions. There will be people who cause division. There will be worldly people. There will be people devoid of the spirit. And Jude says, church, beloved, contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. So there's some problems Contend for the faith. Now, what I think we should find really um, helpful and interesting and what we should take away from this book uh, right here, right now, and for our church family as a whole is, is actually how does Jude encourage 
his people to contend for the faith. I mean, sure, it'd be helpful for me today to remind you that, you know, there's, that there was a church back then that had some problems. We're a church that's in a society that has some problems, that may even have some people within the church that cause some problems, yet to be seen, hopefully not. But when Jude says contend for the faith, how? It could be a pretty hollow sermon. It could be a pretty hollow letter to this church if all he says is contain, rest, contend, wrestle, fight. How does he do that? Well, it's fascinating to see that Jude's solution for fighting the false teaching and for, and for pressing against these grumblers and for these people whose lives demonstrate no loyalty to Christ, Jude's primary, strat- primary strategy isn't what the Christians need to do to them. Jude's first step and first order in fighting this fight and solving this solution is actually It's actually what the true church needs to do in and of themselves. See, Jude isn't worried about, Jude isn't calling the people to shut down the divisive infiltrator. Jude is actually more about building up the dependent believer. So what I think is really helpful for us today and what I I want to commit to us today as a church is that as we too, in the midst of our cultural mess, that we also commit to hearing Jude's encouragement. And that encouragement is, is that we don't, take, we don't take our fight to the world around us, but that we primarily fight to reinforce that which is with already within us. That we would hear Jude's call not to be first going after correcting other people's faith, but actually be seeking to make correct our own. So how does Jude do this? How does Jude do this and set this up for his readers? We see see his call in verses 20 to 23. He has six things that he can, there are six things that he lists out. Six things. He says, build, pray, keep, wait, have mercy, save others. Build yourself up in the faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God. Wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Let's briefly look at these one by one. Build. In building up our own faith, Jude is saying, build yourselves up in your faith. Uh, We actually have been thinking about this a lot already as a church family. Uh, This building imagery that Jude is uh, leveraging right here, this is temple-like imagery, right? This is tabernacle-like imagery. This is tabernacle 2.0 and 3.0 type imagery. This is build yourselves up in the faith. This is build yourself up in Christ with Christ in you. And this is build up the church that you are a part of and a contributor to. Build yourself up in the faith. Jude is saying to his readers, to his brothers and sisters in Christ, he's saying, 
Because you are in a situation and a culture that will seek to draw you away from Jesus, you need to every day be doing all that you can so that you are drawing nearer to Jesus. Build yourself up. Cultivate habits of holiness. Don't get pushed along with the rest of the world. Build yourself up. Invest into your faith. Invest into that which is good. In the words of Paul, whatever is perfect, whatever is good, whatever is beautiful, whatever is honourable, think about these things. I would say that Jude is, is calling followers of Jesus to be radical. To be radical. Jude is calling followers of Jesus to not look like the rest of the world so we get drawn along and swept up with the rest of the world. Be radical. Build yourself up in the faith. Build up your faith. Build, build that, not build something else. What's that going to look like for you? How, how are you going to make sure that you are keeping a constant stream of, of steady devotion towards Jesus so that you can remain in the faith and take hold of and contend for the faith? What sin do you need to put to death? What distraction do you need to take out of your life? What attitude do you need to change so that you are constantly seeking to build your faith as opposed to get drawn away from it? In the time we're in at the moment, I mean, how long are you spending watching a screen? Maybe it means instead of turning on Netflix, you get rid of that thing and you open your Bible instead to build up your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe it's still you get on your phone and you do a Bible study with one of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe instead of watching seasons of films about made up characters, you can invest in actually thinking about the history of the church that we're a part of and the historical church family that we will one day all get to see face to face in glory. Build yourself up in the faith. Draw near to Jesus as often as you can because the world and the culture and the society that we're in will do everything it can to draw you away. Be radical. Build yourself up. Church, be someone who is building yourself up in your faith. It's number one. Number two, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Pray, pray, pray. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, that's, that, that shouldn't be radical to us, right? <laughs> I mean, God who keeps this world spinning, God who puts breath in our lungs, God who sends the rain to fall upon the good and, to the, and the not so good. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So pray, pray, pray in the Holy Spirit to contend for the faith, pray. To wrestle for the faith, pray. Hear this, hear, hear, hear this, hear this from Jesus himself. <laughs> If your faith is in your own strength, 
Like, your faith is futile. (laughs) Now, I know this from personal experience because if I try to do something in my own strength, that something is going to suck. So where do we need our strength? We get our strength from God, which is supernatural. We pray in the Spirit. And to pray in the Spirit is to learn how to wield the sword of the Spirit. Ephesians 6 type language, praying at all, praying at all times in the Spirit. The, the, the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. So lean into the Word of God. Get to know the mind of God. Get to know the character of God. Get to understand more the person and the work of Jesus who is God in flesh. And then turn that to prayer so that you know what to say when you say, not my will, but your will be done. So that you know what it means to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Okay, God, for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done, I know that your priorities are this. God, I pray to you to help me to be that person. Build yourself up in the faith. Pray, pray, pray. Church, be someone who prays in the Spirit. Three, contend for the faith. Keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. Uh, this, the word there, keep, I've already done this already, but I don't like doing this too much. But in the original Greek, thinking Greek, this means to actively guard, to hedge in, to, to protect. Keep yourself in the love of God. Protect this thing, guard this thing, okay? Now, how do we keep ourselves in the love of God? Well, we look to Jesus and we hear the words of Jesus. John 15, we actually get to read a prayer of Jesus We get to read the commands of Jesus. Have a look at this. Jesus says, abide in my love. Keep yourself in my love. Okay. If, how do we do that? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You will keep yourself in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Guys, I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't done before you. I'm not asking, I'm not I'm not getting you to do something that is ethereal and out there that is, that is impossible. Keep my commandments. Just if I have kept my Father's commandment and by doing this, you will abide in my love. You will keep yourselves in the love of God. So this is actively seeking to walk in the way that Jesus walked. Abide in Christ's love. Keep his commandments. This is following the lead of Jesus, seeking to live like Jesus being someone who is actively listening and applying the instructing, the instruction of our great teacher, Jesus. Are you doing that? If you aren't, if you're not abiding in Christ, you're not going to be keeping yourself in the love of God that Jude contends, us, contends for us to do. So if you would be someone who's going to contend for the faith and keep yourself in the love of God, listen to Jesus, abide in his love and keep his commandments. Why? Verse 11, it says, Jesus says, those things, his commandments, those things he has spoken to you so that his joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. It's beautiful. 
He speaks to these things so that his joy may be in us and that our joy may be full. That's Jesus saying, I know a profound and perfected and beautiful joy by just living according to the way that the God, the Father, God, the Father has called me to live. And it's been amazing following in his lead, keeping his commandments. And friends, if you would abide in me and in the Father's love, just keep my commandments because I know from experience, like it's, it's, it's amazing. And I want you to have my joy and I want your joy to be full. This isn't a rigorous twisting the arm of trying to get us to do stuff we don't want to do. This is a, a gentle leading of showing us what it is that we can do so that we may flourish and know abundant life with Jesus Christ. That's three. Church, be someone who keeps yourself in the love of God. Four, contend for the faith by waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think this means hold on to your hope of eternity with Jesus. Hold on to your hope of eternity with Jesus. I would say that Jude calls us to view everything in light of the future glory and the hope of the last day, okay? He's wanting us to hold on to eternity. And as we, as we hold on to eternity, we're keeping in view two important things that help us to contend for the faith. One of those things is keeping in view at the eternity, which means keeping in view the resurrection, right? Keeping in view the resurrection. Now, as we keep in view the resurrection, our new bodies transformed and made new, everything perfect, everything wonderful, just as it was always meant to be. What does that do? As we hold on to eternity and the resurrection, you know what? For me, it reminds me that there's a day coming when all things will be new. And that means that whatever sacrifice I make now in my body, out of my wallet and from my pride and, because, and away from my reputation, if I'm doing that all for the sake and the glory of Christ, it will be one day be made new by Christ. That's what holding on to eternity and the resurrection does. It means that I can lay down my life for Jesus because I know that there's a far greater life to come with Jesus. Keep eternity in perspective with all the decisions that we make. And it means that we can go without because one day we're going to be richly supplied with everything we need. Keep eternity in view, the resurrection. And secondly, keep eternity in view, the day of judgment. There's another encouragement, right? It is for me. As I keep thinking about a day of judgment that is ahead, a guaranteed day of judgment, and not me judging, but God judging, who is perfect and just and holy and good, and, we'll, and I'll sit back and go, God, that was awesome. Like you did, that was amazing. Well done. Like, wow, I couldn't have, I wouldn't have done that. Like that was perfect. Your judgment is perfect. That, that, is, that, is, that helps me to contend for the faith and to hold on to Jesus Christ because it means that if there's a day of judgment coming, it means that I can absorb an insult and I can turn the other cheek and I can even be put to death unjustly because I know that there's a day when that unjust action will be punished by a very just and righteous God. Holding on to eternity and looking forward to that day of the resurrection and the day of, of God's divine judgment, it means we can persevere and hold on to the faith we can lay down our life now 
And we can even absorb the unrighteousness of our world around us now because we know that God's got it in his hands and everything's going to be okay. So contend for the faith. Be someone who is waiting for the mercy of Jesus. Fifth one, fifth of six, have mercy on those who doubt. This one's short and sweet. Be thankful and be patient with all those that are seeking to walk in the ways of Jesus. And that, that means don't be judgmental or critical of what you think they're doing wrong. Like I really like the language of being an apprentice of Jesus. You know, that when we choose to commit our lives to following me, like it's like we become, you know, we sign the dotted line to become an apprentice of Jesus. And that means we all start somewhere, doesn't it? That means that, we're, you know, that means that all of us at some point have fallen for the joke of going to pick up a left-handed hammer, you know? But it also means that there's a steady growth and progression. That means that one day we become a second-year apprentice and a third-year apprentice and a fourth-year apprentice of Jesus. It also keeps us humble that, it reminds us that as, all, as we are all apprentices, none of us have graduated. None of us have got their ticket. That comes in the resurrection. That comes in the future glory. But as apprentices of Jesus, it reminds us that we're all on a journey. We're all on a different point, And it means that we can have mercy on those who doubt and are still figuring some things out. So for us, for, so for us in the church, who maybe, you know, maybe we see ourselves as third or fourth year apprentices. Have mercy on those who doubt. Don't gossip and slander the first years because they're still figuring out how to use a few tools of the trade, how to still use the Bible, how to still figure out prayer, how to, how to express their spiritual gifts and how to follow in the way of the faith. Don't slander and gossip. Instead, what if, what if as a church we were known for perhaps our more mature apprentices being willing to greatly encourage and build up the younger apprentices? Like, you know, has, has someone recently been baptized? If you're a little bit further on in the faith than them, maybe you offer to read the Bible with them once a fortnight. Maybe you're someone new to our church. Maybe they don't even know. They, maybe, they, maybe they're sussing out whether they want to be an apprentice of Jesus. Maybe you can say, hey, look, I'll, let's go out for coffee. I'll, I'll answer any questions you might have. I can't guarantee the right answers, but I'll be in ear to, to listen to what maybe, you got, maybe you're struggling with. Or if you don't know where to start, have you noticed that we have a few kids in our church family? Maybe you could encourage them by just showing some interest in them. Maybe it's a question, what, what do you love about Jesus? Maybe you can ask them, what do you love about Jesus? Who knows? Maybe there'll be an encouragement to you. Contend for the faith by being someone who has mercy on those who doubt. And lastly, contend for the faith. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Church, we know that to snatch someone out of, the, out of a fire, you've got to get close to the fire and you've got to be prepared to be burnt. And which fire might this be? Well, I can think of one very significant one, and that might be the judgment of God that awaits all of those that are yet to turn to Christ. It's more than this, but I think primarily it is this. This is the missional call. 
This is the make Jesus known part of our text today where we all need to do this in contending for our faith. That our faith isn't just personal as we contend for the faith. It isn't just for us, but it's also for others. And it's also for those that are yet to even take hold of the faith for the first time. It's a collective responsibility for all those that bear the name of Christ to be witnesses of Christ. This is all of us. This is all of us being salt and light to the people around us and the community that we're in. Because we all have opportunities that one another don't. We all have work colleagues that, one, that each other don't. We all have family members and friends that each other doesn't. And we need to be willing to get close enough and even, to be, even be prepared to get burnt so that we may be able to share the significance of the faith to them so that we can snatch them out of the fire. And that is how we contend for our own faith, by being willing to share it. So church, be someone who is willing to snatch the lost out of the fire. Jude says, verses 20 to 23, six actions from Jude to the church, build, pray, keep, wait, Have mercy, save others. Jude makes a call for personal responsibility. That in the face of a culture that could corrupt and destroy the church, Jude puts before them what they need to do themselves. Would we be a church that does the same? Would the collective faith of our church family be because of the personal faith of its many members? Would the collective faith of our, per, of our church family be because of, because of the personal faith of its many members? This is what I think some of us can immediately, or I think all of us can immediately take out of this book of Jude. But, Let's not forget and let's not end without looking at how this book finishes because we're still not done with Jude yet, are we? Jude has commended what it is that we are to do, but it's not only you who will be doing it, is it? Verses 24 to 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Amen. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. That is Incredible. These words are akin to Paul's words to the Philippians, aren't they? He says, therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my absence, but also in my presence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I've got six points. For, (laughs) verse 13, it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
Church, as we think about these six points from Jude to contend for and fight for and wrestle for the faith, remember and see how Jude finishes this thing off and see how he crescendos this letter. Remember, it's us and it's God. Remember, it's our strength in God's strength. Remember, it is, yes, our deliberate, purposeful, intentional action. And it's with God's divine, powerful, indwelling spirit. It's us and it's God. It's solo and it's corporate. It is God before us and for us and with us and in us. And yes, it happens with personal responsibility that we all have to take, we all have to take heed of and carry out. But it's with God. And it's in his church community. So church, as you think about those six points and what it means for you and for us as a church to be contending for the faith, remember that we do it with the help and in the strength and the courage that God so richly provides. Because if he doesn't, we can't do it. And he promises that he will keep us from stumbling to present us before him. So church, these are some things we need to be thinking about and I think we can take from the book of Jude as we look ahead as a church family into the rest of 2021 and all of its uncertainty and all of its, whatever the chaos might be, whatever the world decides, whatever hand the world decides to deal to us. Would we be a church that remembers to contend for the faith? And that's by looking first at ourselves and what we're doing in our own midst by us taking care of what it is that we have been entrusted to first and that's our own soul so that's as we look forward that's our personal that's my call to you for your personal responsibility before God but we also want to look ahead as a church in terms of what it is that we will be doing together as a church family now we're going to slightly shift gears now Uh, Because not only do we want to be thinking about what God has called us to as individuals, we want to be thinking about what God has called us to corporately as a church family. Uh, And part of that is uh, I want to give us an update as to how we are going in the three goals that we've set as a church family at the start of this year and what that's going to look like for us to continue to live those out throughout the rest of this year. As a reminder... Our three goals that we put before us, we put, that, we, that we put out there before us back in January were goals relating to community connection and mission, our budget, and us enjoying the journey. So community, budget, and us enjoying the journey. Before we get there, I want to just um, give, give you some context to why I'm standing here right now as a start, for how it is that one way that we can be contending for the faith as a church. Now, you'll notice I'm standing at St. Wilfred's. <laughs> Amazing. So good. The sun is shining and my computer is not getting wet. And for that, I'm very thankful. One way that um, I feel that we, that w- well, one, one way that we're going to be contending for the faith as a church family and as we are building ourselves up and praying and also being willing to get close to the fire is I feel that we should be, that for the next six months at least or for however long we can, uh, we're going to be 
proactive rather than reactive in the terms of in the way that we do our church gatherings when we can. So a key thing that I want to set us up for as a church family is having confidence and having a predictable pattern as much as we can during a time of uncertainty. And that predictable pattern is that where we can and while we can, we're going to be meeting from basically this week um, outdoors uh, through, through the rest of summer. Now, naturally at the moment, because of COVID restrictions, we can't be physically meeting, but I hope to at least model and demonstrate that while we are going to be in this, while, while we can, I'm at least going to be here, here on a Sunday and that when we can meet, we all can be here on a Sunday. And whether it's rain, hail or shine, we will be here on a Sunday. We're going to commit to putting down roots as for as long as we can here at St. Wilfred's in the car park doing outdoor church. Now, I feel like that is significant for us um, for a couple of reasons. One reason is, and this is not a reactive decision, but it does, it does influence the decision, is we have looked and searched high and low for a venue and God keeps closing doors. We had some time at Christian College, which was great till COVID came in, but that, that venue still had a time limit to it. It was, a, it was a temporary use. We were previously at Board Riders, which has now been renovated and effectively it's become a storage cupboard and it's not going to be practical for our ongoing use. We reached out to Torquay Surf Lifesaving, Torquay Surf Lifesaving Club and that is not going to be practical and for our use. We reached out to Janjuk Surf Lifesaving Club and that also has been turned down for our use. But what has, the, what has the alternative been for us that we've already seen and already experienced as a church? Well, initially we went to outdoor services, didn't we? And we did that because we wanted to make the most of the COVID restrictions. And it's been great and it's been valuable and it's been good. It's been amazing. But we admit it was primarily a reaction to what was going on at the time. It wasn't us being proactive. It was just us doing what we could. But what have we seen through that time? We've seen people come into church, into a church service that would never of ever before come to a church service. It's amazing. The very fact that we can be outdoors and in nature and hearing the word of God read and taught and sung and prayed, that being in this open, visible position, we're having people join us that never would have joined us ever before from the very fact that we aren't in a church building. That is significant. We've also had people come join our church just from purely driving past and going, what's going on there? The visibility and the, the position of where we can be meeting outside in the car park is a very city on a hill type salt and light moment that we get to lean into that I feel God has given us for the season that we're in. So I would like for us, it's the best we can do. I think it's important that we have some predictability for the next few months as best as we can. COVID has made things very unpredictable. At least as a church family, we can be able to say 11 o'clock on a Sunday, 11 o'clock on a Sunday, we know that there will be a broadcast from St. Wilfrid's or there will be a meeting at St. Wilfrid's. 
and it'll be a meeting that I know what it's gonna be like. We've already seen a six month version of that last year and going into this year. It'll be a meeting that we can bring friends into. It'll be a meeting where we have some consistencies. We continue to do what we've already done, keeping things simple, keeping things outdoors, keeping things loving and welcoming, keeping things in this setting, keeping things consistent. So when it comes to providing an environment for us to contend for the faith, we want some consistency to be able to build that up, to pray for it and to be reaching out into our community. And right now, this is the best that God has given us and we shouldn't take it for granted. We should lean into it and we should be proactive with it, and not reactive. And if you're still not convinced of outdoor services, let's just say two names, Whitfield and Wesley. Whitfield and Wesley. I'll let you Google that this afternoon. So there is one thing that we're looking ahead to that we can be certain of over the next few months as a church family. We're on the other side of August. We're leaning into summer at St. Wilfred's. If you've ever been willing to go to a footy game and wear a rain jacket, I hope that you're willing to at least come to church and do the same and bring people in, bring people in. You know, I was talking to a young girl out in the surf yesterday. Some friends are some friends from the cafe that I go to. What do you do? She said, I look after young startups. My job is to help startups get off the ground. Like, oh, what would you say to a young church that needed some help as a young startup? She said, oh, well, you need a few things. She listed them off. Oh, yeah, you need a vision. Oh, great. We've got a vision. There needs to be a need. Oh, great. There's definitely a need in the surf coast. Let's just say that the majority so far are going to hell. And you also need word of mouth referral. So you can spend as much money as you want on marketing and advertising, but unless your people that are already a part of the team are bringing people in and inviting people into it and talking about it, it's not going to happen. So that's what we all need to be committing and investing into this thing. And that's what I want to invite you to and call you to, City on Hill Surf Coast, a church outdoors. For God so loved the surf coast. It's what we want to do. So there's something that we're going to look ahead to. Outdoor venue, St. Wilfred's. Proactive, not reactive. Lastly, let's cover off on some goals. Who's ready to be encouraged? Hey, look at that. I can see an arm pump. Who's ready to be encouraged? Check this out. I'm going to be three headings, maintained, stuff we've seen grown and flourish and stuff we've started. Okay. This is all since January of 2021. All right. In the last seven months, this is what's happened. This is encouraging. Maintained. Let's start with maintained. Okay. Maintained us. We're still here. <laughs> maintained. That's awesome. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's an amazing act of God's grace that we would still be here. Okay. Now I want to give you some contents to why that is so amazing. So uh, we are supported by uh, an American church planting uh, network in, uh, in, in America called Spanish River. And part of, so they've contributed $40,000 to us existing. Now that has helped us to maintain, but there's something, God is being so good to us. Okay, I had an interview um, with one of the guys. He was, it was like, I met him at 7 a.m. and he was meeting me at like 7 p.m., the time difference. And he was saying, oh, share a little bit about what's been going on in your church. Um, you know, how's it been going? How's it been going through the time of COVID? And I described to him, I said, oh, look, you know, we've, we've weathered the storm. We're still going pretty strong. Numbers haven't dropped off a whole lot. Um, you know, people are engaged. People are active. There's a joy for Jesus. We've seen a few baptisms. It's been amazing. And he said, 
Uh, Louis, I, should, I probably should let you know, um, right now, that's not normal. Right now, that, that, that's not normal. With all that's going on in the world, that, that's, that's not normal. And look, we, we only look at our context with one, a very narrow view. Uh, here's a guy who catches up with a number of different church planters of churches that they've contributed to. And we are in the not normal category, which is the best category to be in right now during a global pandemic. I'm so thankful that right now we are not normal. Okay? Not normal. Maybe that reflects your pastor. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, not normal. We've maintained, all right? Maintained. Second thing that we've maintained, which has been incredible, and uh, pr- thanks to a lot of you, is just a, a wonderful outdoor venue, okay? We've maintained the venue, and we've maintained and grown a wonderful relationship and friendship with the parishioners of St. Wilfred's. Thank you so much to all of you that have contributed and thanked them, been a smiling face and, uh, you know, just a, a warm handshake, um, provided hospitality needs and musical needs, whatever it has been, uh, they feel so loved by us and they are so willing to just continue to let us use this space. Oh, I'm so thankful that we have maintained and grown that relationship with St. Wilfred's. It is what has made it possible for us to be able to look ahead to at least the next six months of having some consistency here outdoors. Maintained. Praise God, maintained. More encouragement. In the last seven months, we have seen these things grow and flourish, okay? Women's group, women's group, okay? Uh, This has been so encouraging. Our women's group has been meeting now every week. Uh, They've now, uh, they meet predominantly to, to study books of the Bible together. Okay, they have now finished uh, the book of James uh, and now they're into the gospel of Matthew. And I would say on average, there is on average is about five women within our church engaging in that ministry. It's a midweek ministry. They catch up. They do Bible study. It's incredible. It's it's so incredible. We've seen that grow and and begin to flourish. And it's in a space that women can connect into uh, and then get get stuck into the word. Uh, And it's been a great encouragement to all those involved. Uh, I've been so encouraged to hear from Esther and hear from Tash, uh, just the wonderful insights uh, and just the the wonderful ways that God is at work through his word and through his people as they do a very simple thing, like open the Bible together, read it and apply it to their lives. Grown and maintained, our women's group, grown and flourished. Secondly, grown and flourished in the last seven months, we've seen our music team grow and flourish. Okay, so just a wonderful evidence of God's great grace is a great cohesion and a really awesome flexibility in the midst of COVID, okay? Um, like, so, I mean, I do the pastoring. Like, if you're a musician, like, these guys have been getting stuffed around by, by on-again, off-again, on-again, off-again restrictions, and they've been smiling all the way through it. You know, it's, and it's, it's been so, so awesome just to see the way that they've so generously served us and loved us. And by music team, in that, I want to put, like, sound and setup guys because a lot of the time it's on like one or two days notice that it's just like, oh, we're doing church on Sunday. Awesome. Well, I guess we better get prepared to set up everything. A lot of you don't see it, but before church, uh, before the like 11 or the 10 o'clock or whatever time we've started, uh, people are here like one to two hours early to set up speakers, to set up, to set up venues, to set up banners, to set up signs. Uh, and that has just been a wonderful evidence of God's grace to see that maintain uh, and grow and flourish. Um, and it's really encouraging. 
And what is also encouraging that perhaps a lot of you don't see is within that music team, there are genuine relationships of love within that team. Like there's, there's catch-ups happening over coffee that aren't necessarily to do with the music ministry. There's just a wonderful family that's being grown uh, and that is being cultivated there. Uh, so if there is someone uh, that you know that has served you that served us well that's on that music team, maybe today is you send them a text of appreciation or encouragement. Let them know that they are valued and that they, um, that they are loved uh, because I think one of the hardest jobs in a church is looking after the music. Because when it comes to grumbling and fault finding, often those guys are on the front line. And sometimes it's not direct. It's, it's sometimes it's just like passive aggressive, passive aggressive questions, you know, like, oh, I wonder why are we singing another song this week? You know, oh. anyway, love our musos, okay? Love them, serve them. They love us and serve us so well, so well, often at last minute and they do a great job. Appreciate you guys. Seen, grown and flourish. Last one on this one. Uh, Big appreciation, big emoji moment. Uh, how about Joe Ashbalusoff on the Pastor Pathway? Seen, grown, and flourished. Oh, love heart emoji. Very good. I see that, Carrick. Awesome. So January, to- oh, there he is. There's the man. Joash, uh, on, on uh, last Our Church, Our Call moment, we got to say that Joash was stepping onto the Pastor Pathway. Okay. Seven months in, four sermons in, he's doing great. Wouldn't we agree? He's smashing it. Like, and this is a guy, like he doesn't get paid for any of this stuff. Like he's, he runs his own business. You know, he's got three kids. It's, it's incredible. So encourage Joash and just be so thankful for what God is doing in his life and continue to encourage him and pray for him. Uh, and let us just be so thankful for what God is doing in him and in Tash and in that family. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough gig. I remember the days when I was working in full-time as a physio. You have to preach a sermon. It's big. You know, it's, it's, you're not in a rhythm, it's hard work. He's doing a great job. So seeing grown and flourish, Josh Belusoff, Pastor Pathway. Thanks, Josh, you're doing a great job. Lastly, started. These are some of the things that we've seen start in the last seven months as a church family. Okay, one of these relates specifically to that first goal that we had, uh, every gospel community multiplying and sending another gospel community, okay? So a culture of multiplication, a culture of growth, an expectation of growing big by staying small, a, 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 a desire to be a church that plants churches, that plants churches, that be gospel communities, that plants communities, plant communities, okay? Over the last seven months, we've seen two new gospel communities start. Come on, two new gospel communities start. Now, like... That's awesome. Like we're in the middle of a global pandemic where most of the time we've been meeting on Zoom, but we're still seeing gospel communities grow and then be like, you know what? We probably should start a new one. Like that's awesome. Like that's incredible. So currently as it stands, we're at five gospel communities. Okay. Which is really encouraging for a church our size. I mean, ideally we're a church where 101% of our church family is in a gospel community, which, you know, which means invite people, bring them in. It's awesome. Tell them about Jesus. It's amazing. We've had two new gospel communities start. We're at five. We had one, had to, had to shut down during the midst of COVID. It didn't survive and uh, that's okay. You know, every, every, every GC has its season, has its life cycle, but we're at five gospel communities as a church family. God is good. We've seen two new start. Um, we're on track uh, for that goal um, of, of gospel communities um, multiplying and sending uh, for 2021. Gospel communities. Everyone give an emoji of appreciation for their gospel community leader because they do hard work 
and the last person that wants to boot up Zoom on a Wednesday night is probably them. Um, <laughs> no, no, they love you guys. We love them. Awesome. Gospel communities. What else have we seen started? Okay, this is, this is, this is awesome. We've seen a new, now you may not be aware of this, but we've actually seen a new City Kids program start. All right. So we've, ha we've had to do a, like a refresh moment. City Kids, in some ways, it stopped and then we restarted it all again. And in restarting it all again, uh, it meant a new structure, a new set of volunteers, a new set of leaders, a new programming, a new way of doing it all, new check-in system. We've seen that start and grow and it is awesome. Like it is amazing. Like, you know, a round of applause to Esther and Tash. Uh, they've been doing an incredible job in that space uh, in creating a system that is scalable, uh, that are creating something that can grow with the church, uh, creating something that uh, provides predictability for our kids so that they know they have a rhythm and they know what to expect. Um, and I've just been so encouraged just as a parent myself, just being able to engage with my own girls and say, hey, you know, what's, what's happened in City Kids today? And they're telling me Bible verses, you know, they know more scripture than me. It's awesome. It's awesome. So be encouraged by that, our, gospel, our City Kids program starting. Um, and by all means, if you're interested, ooh, getting more involved in that. Oh, hello. Um, do that, please. And, uh, and in under the heading of started as well, we've had the introduction of City Youth. City youth, um, albeit it's small, um, but it's something. We have a few youth in our church. We want to love them and serve them well and show them that they matter. Currently, we're doing city youth twice a month on a Sunday with vision to connecting with another local church to be doing that more regularly. Uh, so be praying for that. Also, just be thankful that there's been great uptake in that, that our youth are participating in it. They seem to be enjoying it, like with the way that I can, you know, translate uh they're, they're, they're grunting. Um, I mean, I, I was there as well. So, you know, I feel like I've got some experience, but there's been some good smiles. There's been a lot of Milo drunk so far, a lot of Oreos eaten, um, but and also a lot of Bible that's been read. Uh, so be thankful for city, kid, for city youth that's starting and that we hope to see continue to build momentum. That's awesome. That has started in the last seven months. So good. All right, three more, three more encouragements. What else have we started in the last seven months? Uh, we've begun hosting midweek public prayer nights, which has been great, which has been in the midst of lockdown, non-lockdown, restrictions, no restrictions. And we've also seen a part of those prayer nights, at least 20% participation in those. Like, that's pretty good. I'm very thankful uh, that we're a church that actually, you know, there seems to be a, a good percentage of people w willing to take time out midweek to come and join those times. Um, it's, it's been wonderful to be able to pray together, uh, commit to our church, commit our church to God uh, in prayer, uh, to have the Bible read in those times, even sing. It's been really encouraging and it's something we want to do more of and we want to keep putting before all of us as a church family. Because, hey, that was the second thing that Jude was talking about, wasn't it? Praying in the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to be contending for the faith, we want to keep praying. We want to keep leaning into that space and doing that together. That's what's been started in the last seven months. Public prayer, midweek prayer gatherings, really encouraging. And this second last one, um, I'm actually hesitant on whether or not I should be sharing it, but I think it will be an encouragement to you. Something else that has been started within our church family that's happening weekly has been a private prayer team. Okay, uh, now this is a committed group 
of, in, of a group of individuals committed to covertly pray for our church family, okay? This is awesome. This is really, really awesome. This is probably the best, one of the best things that has happened in the last seven months, that there's been an organically raised up prayer team that, uh, that is praying for the needs of our church, that is filled with people from within our church, okay? For a long time, I've been praying that this would happen. Um, I've been partnering with external prayer partners to pray for our church, but now we also have our church praying for our church, okay? And it's so, so encouraging. Um, and it's something that I think um, will continue to grow and it, it, is, it is vital because apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So I'm so thankful for that private prayer team that we've also seen started. I'd let you know that that's happening just to encourage you guys that you know, the spiritual battle is being fought um, once a week, you know, like it's helped holding the church up in that way. Um, so be encouraged by that. Last one, best of all, what's happened in the last seven months since we've been doing, since we've been thinking about our goals? Last seven months, oh, sorry, the second last one. I'll talk about the budget. I forgot the budget. Oh, budget. Anyway, best of all, baptisms, 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 baptisms since 2020, January 2021. Uh, We've had four baptisms. Jackie, Hudson, Lupcho, Luke. Boom. How good. People publicly professing their allegiance and their following of Jesus Christ, going to the waters of baptism. We're going to change the name of that beach. Baptism Beach, here we come. Um, we, want to see, we want to see more of that. and We want to continue to celebrate that. Uh, that is a, just a wonderful uh, expression of just uh, what it is that God is doing in and through us and through those people that are connected with us and connecting in with us. So, so encouraging. Not only has there been baptisms, but we've also seen other people within our church family make recommitting their walk, recommitting themselves to their walk with Jesus, who are now walking in a whole new way with a whole new church family. Uh, so church, be encouraged uh, by what's been happening in that space with our baptisms. So encouraging. So church, uh, they're mostly the goals. Budget one, I'll say it quickly. We're on track. We're on track, okay? We're, like if we keep going, if, if we continue to grow a little bit and we have a couple more, couple more families contribute and, and give, uh, we're gonna hit 150K. Right now, we're right on the line, which is really, really good. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you for putting your money where your mouth is and, and investing in this thing, not only with your hands um, and with your feet and with your prayers, but also just with your finances. Uh, we can't continue to do uh, what we do without just the cash to do it. Um, and us paying our bills. So um, thank you so much for contributing financially. Um, hopefully by December, we'll see that 150K knocked off and uh, we'll be on our way to seeing ourselves as a church that is self-sustaining uh, and that is with a view to sustaining other churches and other ministries. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Things are going well. Alrighty, church, there's a lot. There's a big data dump of awesome encouragement of what God is doing in and through us. Okay, there's, uh, there's a wonderful encouragement of how things are going in terms of the goals that we've, we've set. And by God's grace, that's tracking well. And I want us to hear the commendation from our brother Jude uh, from many years before, commend us to contend for the faith in Jesus Christ by those six things so that we would continue to remember the hope that we've been called to and the access we have to God through Jesus, free gift. Amazing. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, 
Or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.